Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath it. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon, a video game from PlayStation, which will mean we'll be talking about anthropology. We'll be talking about the hunter-gatherer era of all of our pasts. You are hunter-gatherer. <laughs> Which is odd, because this is a sci-fi video game set in the future where you fight robots. Uh, I can sort of dance like a robot. Will that help? But it actually has done quite a lot of homework. Clearly, they've actually got ethnographic and anthropological experts to help build a very real-feeling world in a video game set, as I said, in the future. And it, I just, just love this game. Now, what this is also going to do is talk to us about the console wars... We've talked in the past about the streaming wars, but there's a console war that's been going on for a lot longer. And all of this is pulled together. And I'm pleased to say a lot of these episodes are kind of male centric. But the key character in the Horizon series is Aloy, a woman. More than they'd have done for us if this thing didn't work. Uh, if it didn't work, it could have not worked. The fascinating past which also, again, goes back to this idea of the matriarchy or the sort of idea of the sort of Danu mother goddess thing, which was seems to be very important in prehistoric times, particularly in Europe. So all of this going back thousands of years, and it's really, really interesting to me. But first of all, let's start with <laughs> how much do I like the Horizon series of video games? Well, Okay, for decades, and I do mean decades, there have been various manufacturers of video game consoles. You might have remembered as a kid playing on something like a Nintendo 64. I am older than you, and I can remember the Atari system. I can also remember, this is a very obscure one, but my sister and I played this to death, something called the Vextrex which had basically wireframe graphics. Sometimes it was 2D, sometimes it was just about 3D, but it was wireframe. And the only way you change colors is you literally put up, each game was on a cartridge and you had to put up a different colored 
perspex screen over the main screen. You couldn't attach it to the TV. It had its own screen and it had its own controller on it. My sister and I played that to death. There was Spike. There's kind of like an Asteroids game. Oh, it was good, good stuff back in the day. Now, you haven't heard of Vectrex, or probably you haven't, because it doesn't exist anymore. They didn't evolve properly. And you can argue that something like the Commodore 64, while in theory it was a home processing computer, and for the first time ever, your parents could do their taxes on Sort of like a form of Excel spreadsheet on the computer. Nobody did that. It was used as a gaming console. So, you know, we could be talking about Commodore. We could be talking about Sega, Nintendo, Sony, and Xbox. So clearly, over the years, some of these are sort of risen and fallen when it comes to their dominance in the area. For example, as I said, like the Nintendo 64, hugely important console game, the SNES as well. So another great Nintendo one. And to the to this day, Nintendo with the Switches and the, the Wiis and, and all this kind of stuff is, is still really, really important in the console manufacture and not just video game manufacture. But you also got someone like Sega who launched the you know the Sega Mega Drive was huge in its time and they even launched an entirely new IP this thing called Sonic the Hedgehog and at his peak in the early 1990s Sonic was better known than Mickey Mouse and indeed better known far better known than somebody like Mario but after the Mega Drive, Sega decided to, they did decide to evolve, but they just didn't go in quite the right way with the Dreamcast. And that just didn't get the traction it deserved. So they went from being hero to zero. Sorry, Sega. But in the background, there was a manufacturer of electronics that thought that they might have a go at this console game because there seemed to be money in it. And that company is Sony. And the Sony PlayStation, the very first one, came out in the 1990s. And it changed everything because for the first time ever, they weren't marketing towards kids or teenage boys. And indeed, by the mid-1990s, the image of video games was simply only one generation really grown up with them, and they certainly weren't the ones like writing the movies or making the TV shows. So you play video games, you're a hopeless geek, you're a recluse, you're a loner, you're a bit of a loser, quite frankly. That's the way it was portrayed in the 1990s or in the 80s and 90s. Nerd! But Sony changed all of that. It was Sony that made gaming cool. The PlayStation was, yes, it was a console which played video games, but it was almost a fashion accessory. Just as in the 1980s, all the cool kids had Sony Walkmans, same thing with the PlayStation. But the thing about all these consoles, unlike a home PC, I could buy, let's say in 1995, I could buy a PC made by IBM or by HP or by lots of other companies. They're actually manufactured by completely different organizations. But because they basically had the same operating system, Windows 95, huge launch there, by the way, it meant that it didn't matter who made my computer. So long as it was a Microsoft type of video game, I could play it on my PC, opposed to there were a tiny amount of video games for Apple, because again, by the 1990s, Apple just wasn't the video game computer. It was writers used. It's what artists used, designers, CAD 
all that kind of stuff. And indeed, slight sidebar here, when we get to the launch of the iPhone, they created the App Store. And initially, Steve Jobs and the other great boffins of Apple, they thought that, yes, they recognized people probably want to play a little game on their phone. Let's face it. We all played Snake on our Nokias in the 1990s. So yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a game section. But really, a bit like the Apple computers of the 1990s, it's all going to be like music apps and like writing apps and, you know, how to create some like videos and things like that. It's, it's going to be a creative and entertainment hub. Nowadays, in the 21st century, Nuh-uh. It's <laughs> in the 2020s. It's chock full of not just games, but all these god awful freemium games. It's really hard to get a good game that if you actually pay the money, you get the game. Where as opposed to all these ones that say, hey, yeah, it's completely free, but you're going to have to pay us money to actually make any progress in this game. And the game's all just about getting more progress. So there isn't really much gameplay here. I'm looking at you, the likes of Clash of Clans. Anyway. So yes, so while computers, the, the PC market, is a different story, the thing about PCs is you had to sort of fiddle around with the adjustments and settings. Also, a PC has always been kind of about a thousand pounds, so it was a serious investment, whereas something like a Sony PlayStation might be 200 quid or a little bit less. So it was substantially less. You just stuck in the disc and started playing games. There was no fiddling involved. And therefore, the consoles were always aimed more at kids. They would nag their parents. The parents would get them something like that for Christmas. And the parents couldn't care less about these video games. They, they just sort of like let, let them go with it. Now, as I pointed out, there were 3D, particularly wireframe graphics existing earlier, and some solid 3D shapes as well. Suppose we extend the square beyond the two dimensions of our universe along the hypothetical z-axis there. <gasps> but on you get on the first PlayStation, you get Lara Croft. Again, not the first 3D environment that's ever been created, but the first mainstream 3D environment with quite, for the time, quite a lot of space. And when you see that 3D T-Rex, it was horrifying for you on on the screen in the 1990s hadn't seen anything like that before more on that t-rex a little bit later on this episode's going to have a lot of t-rexiness in it surprisingly so yes you then get these different generations of the computer consoles so you get the playstation and they followed it up with a playstation 2 about six years later and it was the playstation was big but the playstation 2 i believe to this day is the single biggest selling console of all time if it's been beaten it was being beaten by the nintendo wii but it sold like hotcakes and at that point you get microsoft going um yeah yeah we sell games on our PCs, but uh, maybe we should get into this market. And so Microsoft launched the Xbox at the same time as you get the PlayStation 2. But the PlayStation 2 pounded the Xbox. I ended up, like other people in their 20s who had disposable income and no family, I had both. And I loved playing things like 
Grand Theft Auto Vice City on my PS2, which at the time was exclusive only to PlayStation. But then when I finally got round to buying an Xbox, I played back to back Halo, the first one, followed by Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. The dark side is strong in this place. I can feel its power. Probably the two best games that ever came out on the original Xbox. So to play those back to back, I was completely blown away. Then when we get to PlayStation 3 time, because Sony had been so arrogant or had done so well with one and two, they became super arrogant. And the PlayStation 3 was badly launched, overpriced, and the whole thing just dripped of hubris. So I, like many other people, went, I could go one way or the other. I'm going to stick with Xbox. And I bought an Xbox 360 and I never bought a PlayStation 3. However, when we get to the next generation, seems that Xbox is now full of hubris. And so I flipped over to the PlayStation 4. So we can see as we move, conveniently, PlayStation has been sensible with its different titles. PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and now 5. Whereas we've got Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and I can't even tell you off the top of my head what the new Xbox is because I haven't got one. And then with Nintendo, you've got Wii's, Switches, etc. So each one's kind of called something different. So it's quite convenient to just sort of hang on the PlayStation. But the reality is, if you really, really wanted to play, you know, as I said, Halo, you're going to have to buy an Xbox. There's no way to play it on a PlayStation. Later on, you can play it on a computer, PC, absolutely. But you see where I'm going with this. So in other words, every time there is a new generation of more powerful processing, greater memory, all that kind of stuff with a console, you have to make a choice. Am I going to go Nintendo? Am I going to go Xbox? Am I going to go Sony? So you could in theory buy all of them. For example, my eldest son, he has a Switch and he loves playing with his Switch. And the really clever thing about the Switch is you can carry it around and you can play with it, but you can also plug it into your computer and it, or into your TV, I should say. And scaling up the graphics to a TV, it's really impressive graphics that you have in your, the palm of your hand on the go. Well done, Nintendo. Just not my cup of tea. I like playing sort of different games, as it were, although Nintendo will come up again. We then come to this idea of exclusive. Why should I buy an Xbox over a PlayStation or vice versa? And over the years, undeniably in, in Xbox 360 time, Halo was a, a super hot property. So was Gears of War. I love playing those games. But now fast forwarding to the 2020s, both of those are kind of been and done. I know that there's the new Halo Infinite that's been getting pretty good reviews, but Halo 5 for the Xbox One was a complete misstep. And the other problem was, what else you got? Whereas, by comparison, PlayStation, they had The Last of Us. They had Uncharted series, being turned into a blockbuster movie. There are places out there you can't find on any map. They had God of War. They had Horizon Zero Dawn. And suddenly it's like, well, there's simply more exclusives to this, to Sony that I actually want to play than the Xbox. The other problem with the Xbox One is it was originally sold as like, it isn't a games console. It's a whole way to live your life kind of thing. It's a hub and entertainment hub. Now, to be honest, that's exactly what the modern PlayStations are as well. But they haven't forgotten the players either. So, and I know I've mentioned this before, so in PlayStation 4 time, I've played things like Ghost of Tsushima, which is amazing. Open world, era of the Mongol invasion of Samurai, that's in the, the 13th century, just beautiful game. 
But before that, I mean, that came out very much towards the end of the PlayStation 4 era. Years earlier, you have Horizon Zero Dawn. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, people. Now, unfortunately, Horizon Zero Dawn was launched at the same time as the latest Zelda on Switch. The big Zelda on Switch, which everybody considered pretty much a perfect open world game. Horizon is almost as good as that perfect game. And I'm going to say in terms of its idea behind it, it's better. Okay, let me whisper that. But Horizon never quite was given the credits due because it came out the same time as a Stone Cold classic. But what is Horizon Zero Dawn? You play Aloy, and at the beginning, you're a little girl who has to sort of like learn to survive in the environment, looked after by this, this man called Rost, not her father. Aloy! Are you down there? He found me. And you discover that you're living in a kind of foresty sort of world and everybody is sort of wearing leathers and, and animal materials. Nobody's going to gap to buy stuff. But while there are things like wild boars roaming around the place, so are robots. And most of these robots look like animals. There are some that kind of look like wildebeest, and eventually you'll be able to ride those. They're pretty cool. Then you've got ones that kind of look like antelope. It's a brilliant, brilliant idea. It's so good that there was a part of me thinking, why has nobody done this before? And then if you like, the literally the, the cover robot is, is not just existing animals. There's other ones that have like stealth capabilities that look like panthers. They're really cool. There are flying ones that look like giant robot eagles. But the cover one is, and imagine this, a robotic T-Rex. Complete with like missile launchers, pods on its side, a big radar thing to try and find you when you're hiding on its back. They're called Razor Jaws, and they are amazing. Actually, are they called Razor Jaws? Doesn't matter. The point is, giant robot T-Rex, okay? Just shut You had me at T-Rex. And this game blew me away, because to... Yes, this is clearly set in the future, but everybody is acting like, in inverted commas, cavemen. Now, the thing is, Aloy, she's in the Nora tribe, which is a matriarchal tribe. The women are top dogs. They are the priestesses and leaders. They have a council and discuss things. And because Aloy was just found next to an, an ancient machine as a baby, she has no mother. And that makes her basically an outcast. And Rost has done a noble thing to be semi-outcast himself to look after her and teach her the ways of the Nora, their hunting, etc. This is an incredibly interesting idea. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story, about what, what's going on here. So I am going to tell you some stuff about the story from the first game, but I'm not going to go into almost anything about the new game that's come out in 2022. Heaven's sakes, I nearly thought it was 21. <laughs> time is a flat circle, you know, ever since the pandemic. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. But anyway, what you find out over the course of the first game is that we are, let's say, 2,000 years into the future. What happened was humanity, us right now, we kept developing, kept evolving, and eventually we created this AI to help basically clean the environment. And to do that, we created these machines that would sort of scrub things and so on and so forth. But the machine programming got corrupted, and then the machines turned on us, and we end up in this huge fight for our survival, and civilization collapses. The end is nigh, and we must prepare. And that was about a thousand years before the time of Aloy. So, nowadays, people are living in the ruins of what we would consider modern-day cities, and people like me and you are referred to as the old ones. And everybody knows that there's this technology, but of course our technology depends so much on power and processing and things like that. So almost all of it's being forgotten. Everybody accepts that these machines are walking around. They're not surprising any more than walking around your environment and seeing, I don't know, pigeons, uh, you know, on the street or something like that. They're, they're just there. Nobody knows where they came from and nobody knows why they're there, but they are clearly self-evident. Everybody believes you say, I've seen a robot. And what these people do, like the tribe of the Nora, and there are other people, other tribes as well. This is what's really impressive. There's the Kaja in the new series. There's the Tanakh. There, there are lots of different ones. Each one has their own kind of cultural basis, clothing even. Super, super clever and super detailed. But what you do is, just as hunter-gatherers in the past went out to, let's say, hunt woolly mammoths, these people might do that, but also hunt the robots as well to try and get the materials from them. More on the hunter-gathering stuff later on. But to give you an idea, Thunderjaw, sorry, that is the name of the T-Rex thing. 
thunder jaw to just come to me and absolutely appropriate. So in the new game, I was about level 20. Well, I was about level 15 when I first saw this Thunderjaw area. This is one Thunderjaw stomping around. Now, this is a situation where I do not have to go anywhere near it. I, there are lots of other places I can go, lots of other things I can do. This isn't even a level. But knowing the power of them from the first game, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this. And Aloy can lay down traps. She can do lots of different things. She can hide. She can fire from cover, all this kind of stuff. And I decided at level 20, which... I haven't finished the game yet. I'm going to guess you can get up to level 50. So to get that gives you a rough idea. I'm, you know, not even quite halfway there in terms of power. And I'm up against one of the most powerful things you can ever fight in the game. And I decided to lay my traps and be very, very clever about things. And the other genius thing about this game is you can highlight areas of this machine. Remember I mentioned the missile pods? Well, if you hit them enough times or if you hit them with a certain thing, you can knock the missile pods off. And you can use it to shoot the Thunderjaw, but at the very least, the Thunderjaw can't use it on you anymore. So you can pick bits off. Incredibly intricate, beautifully done game. And this is all happening on PlayStation 4, by the way. So I love this game. And then, a little over a year ago, it was announced that there's the PlayStation 5 is about to come out. But because of the pandemic, there's an international microchips shortage, and they just weren't able to produce enough of them. So... A year after the PlayStation 5 is coming out, still there aren't enough to be just gen generally on the stores of electronic stores. In, in the UK, right now, if you go on to the likes of Curry's or Argos or Amazon, these are the logical places you would buy something like a PlayStation 5. You can't, okay? In some of the cases, you actually have to end up on a waiting list. It's, it's, it's that hard to get one at the moment. So... A year later, it's like, well, should I bother going into all this stuff? I don't know. But then it was announced in February of 2022, the new Horizon game is coming out. Now, the, the previous one came out, I'm going to say, six, seven years ago. Off the top of my head, I don't know. It's been a while and probably five or six years. So I've been waiting a long time to play this because I loved the first game, and I love the story. I'm deliberately being, I've given you a little bit about what, what's happened, the background. I haven't given you nearly everything and how Aloy's tied into all this stuff, but she's absolutely integral to it. She's an amazingly well-written character. She's beautifully voiced and animated as well. You'll be the one surprised tomorrow, Outcast, not me. Oh, are you gonna shut your mouth? Because that would be a surprise. So I was in a dilemma. It's like, I am quite happy with my PlayStation 4. I was still playing, still finishing off Ghost of Tsushima in January of 2022. And, you know, I was still quite happy on my PlayStation 4. And also I knew that PlayStation 5s were hard to get. But I've got teenage boys and I'm a bit of a boy at heart too. And I've been playing video games for, I don't know, 40 years. And yeah, okay, I've got some disposable income. So I went on to eBay and I ended up paying over the price for a PlayStation 5 with a disk drive, for the record. And do you know what? On this one occasion, I don't begrudge the scalpers because if you can't even put in a preliminary order on something, an organization as big as Curry's in the UK, these people have had to work pretty hard, you know, to get their PlayStation 5. So, yeah, fair enough. If it's being marked up by 30%, Okay, I'll pay that. You know, as long as it isn't 100% markup, I'm not a sucker. But I'm willing to pay that a little bit more. Because the other thing is, of course, I know I'm going to get years and years of, of use out of it. And I also assume that the PlayStation 6 will be perhaps 
slightly longer coming than they were planning because they know that people still haven't properly switched over to PlayStation 5. So I think it's a pretty good investment, ultimately. And obviously, I bought a copy of Horizon Forbidden West, which is the new version. And I thought Ghost of Tsushima was the prettiest game I'd ever played. I appreciated it was on an older console with the older graphics and things like that, but it was still utterly breathtaking. The draw distance was amazing. The amount of particle effects, lighting, the beautiful red leaves cascading down on you. It's gorgeous. And I know this it's had a PlayStation 5 upgrade. I'm not going to pay for that. I played the game. I got what I needed out of the game, and I didn't think it was particularly ugly at the time. But then I put in Horizon Forbidden West. And... I instantly saw the difference between the, the graphical capabilities because we're not, we're never going to get there. There's this thing called the uncanny valley where the more things look like a human face but actually aren't a human face, the more we sort of notice it's not quite right. But oh my goodness, the emotion, the eyes of, of these new 3D computer-generated models of people like Aloy, just breathtaking. There are times when you feel like I'm watching a movie, and let's face it, lots of movies, when it comes to the special effects, they're digitized anyway. So... A lot of it is very, very cinematic, and it, it's no surprise to me that Sony is investing money in turning this into a TV show. Can't wait to watch it. I'm sure it'll be, well, I'm sure it'll look gorgeous, no idea how good it is, but I mean, they'll be spending so much money on it that they're, they're not going to sort of like do this half-heartedly. But yeah, absolutely loving it. I think you can tell I'm sort of, I'm doing my best to sell it. It is available on the PlayStation 4, but I figured if I'm going to switch over, now's the time to go on to PlayStation 5. Apparently, PS4 version is still very good, still, you know, still looks pretty pretty good, but it can't look physically as good as the PS5 version. Right, there we go. Done. I've done most of this on the fun stuff. But as I was saying, what's really interesting about this is there's so much time, particularly in the first one, I'd spent so much time using a bow and arrow to hunt these robots, even though I know that they're robots, that it surprised me when somebody came out with an energy weapon, a gun, basically. And it's like, they didn't have guns in the Stone Age. It's like, well, but this isn't the Stone Age. This is a new civilization that's being built on the foundations of, a, of an older, fairly high-tech civilization. Now, obviously, our ancestors, let's say 20,000 years ago, weren't in that situation. What they were doing was hunting and gathering. You are hunter-gatherer. <laughs> we really only had things like sedentary populations and farming for about 10,000 years. Gebekli Tepe in Turkey is about 12,000 years old, and it seems to have been some kind of permanently erected building, but it wasn't actually a settlement. But about 8,000 years old is Çatalhöyük, which is a tiny little town, but it's a town at a time which we didn't think people had even settled by then. So that's the earliest sign of people settling down. But prior to that, for more than 100,000 years, Homo sapiens spent their time moving from area to area, creating temporary shelters, we presume, or living temporarily in caves. They didn't live in caves all the time because as the animals moved around, they had to follow the animals for food. You can't stay in a cave halfway up a mountain in Switzerland because you will starve to death, although you may be very well protected from the elements. The vast majority of human history has not been sitting in a home. It's been out there. There have been examples of very, very rare Mesolithic, so Middle Stone Age, about 8,000 years ago, somebody's found a mat. So this was clearly what somebody would sleep on as they were moving around. And at this time, human beings were fabulously vulnerable. And undeniably, we were tribal. The reason why today we split into nationalities, religions, family units, football teams even, 
is because in the past it was the only way to survive. Our little family unit is the thing, and it extended family around it is the ones keeping us alive. And what's been shown, anthropology is the study of humans as animals. So rather than talking about, oh, you know, great art and stuff like that, it's like, no, we're we're animals that are just trying to survive. And unlike other animals, we, we can actually change our environment, i.e. build housing. And we're literally changing the environment right now with global warming. But anyway, there is a Paleolithic hominid. So we're going way before Homo sapiens, but a hominid with puncture wounds of what was clearly a big cat, probably a jaguar, maybe a lion. What we're looking for here is, I think, and this is no more than educated guess, I'd like to make that clear, is some multicellular life form with stripes, huge, razor-sharp teeth, about 11 foot long, and of the genus Felis horribilis, what we doctors, in fact, call a tiger. But, you know, that shows you how we were the prey as well. And what's great in the Horizon series is when I was describing the Thunderjaw, it took me 20 minutes to bring it down. I didn't need to do it, and I knew I'd be well rewarded with both experience points and also all the cool stuff inside it, but it took me time. There's another thing that you can do, another mission you can do, where you have to basically go with people, literally, to hunt. And the hunting techniques... Well, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want, but the hunting, overall hunting techniques, we've got evidence of, not just in the past, but also with things like Native American tribes in North America, and also in sort of like modern day African tribes, where people will basically lay traps. There is simply no point trying to sort of like fight wildebeest. You know, one kick from one of those could kill you, or at the very least break a bone if it connects. And, you know, a broken bone 5,000 years ago, that could be the difference between life and death. You could get an infection in it. You will not be able to effectively hunt, which might mean that you'll starve to death. So what do you do? Well, you basically chase them and herd them into an area. Then you set fire to things or maybe just keep chasing them towards a cliff. And then they fall off the cliff. And, you know, there have been finds of huge piles of bones at the bottom of cliffs where, pe where people have clearly decided to hunt that way. It's incredibly clever. I mean, you know, indeed, if it was something like a woolly mammoth, where there's all those pictures of people throwing spears at them, that would have been an incredibly stupid way to do it. You're highly unlikely to bring down one with a spear or two. So more, far more likely they would have been sort of chased to a cliff or, you know, forced into like boggy, peaty area where they sort of get stuck and starve to death. But you'll, there'll still be enough meat on them that you can take. And a kill of something like a wildebeest would be enough food to feed these little tribal units for days. So hunting didn't have to happen very often. And in the meantime, why it's called hunting and gathering is because, just like in the video game, going around picking berries, picking various leaves of, of things that people have worked out that they can actually use for like nutrition in some way or another. Nuts and berries, basically. There's also been evidence, and I love this, of pots. You know, how do you boil water or something like that? Basically get stones that are super hot in the fire and drop them into like a leather bowl. Can't put the leather bowl over the fire because it's just going to set fire. But if you put super hot stones into a leather bowl of water, you'll be able to heat up the water that way. Obviously, you've got a bunch of stones in the bottom of it. But anyway, it's these clever, ingenious ways that our ancestors learn to survive in the environment. And, you know, you should feel proud of that because if these people had failed, you know, none of us would exist today. And it was really hard to do so. But the other thing that we see in the game that we've seen also in terms of anthropological studies 
is, and look, I did some anthropology in my archaeology degree. I absolutely respect it. But there was one part where we did flint napping to work out how to create a stone tool. How hard is it? And there's a little part of me, literally, I was in a laboratory. I had safety goggles on because bits of flint are going to fly everywhere. Clearly, our ancestors didn't do that. I even had a lab coat on. And it was a double lesson. And I was standing there banging two rocks together. And there was a little part of me thinking, man, I'm getting a degree for banging two rocks together. This is pretty easy stuff. But, and I'm not making this up, during this lecture, there was an expert at the front, an expert flint napper, showing us how to try to sort of shape the block of flint that we've got in front of us. And he, and I'm not, not making this up, he badly cut himself in the palm of his hand with one of his flint tools so much so that the that we continued with our lecturer but he had to go to the hospital so that does show you that this stuff does actually work and how dangerous and skilled you have to be to to do it successfully without cutting yourself open but if you like there as i said there are these different tribes with these different cultural identities which we see today these tribes absolutely if you look if you think perhaps the most famous example native americans we know there is records of them fighting amongst each other. This was not one big happy family. They would take slaves. And, and this is something that seems to have happened throughout history, that basically captives would be taken, particularly women, and, I mean, no nice way to put this, inseminated by the local tribe. But this was actually for very good biological reasons, because if everybody's a family unit, you need quite literally flat, fresh blood in the, in the bloodlines, or you're going to get inbreeding. And it seems that inbreeding was sort of like phasing out by Homo sapiens by about 10,000 BC. So, you know, we worked out that that wasn't the best thing to do in the past. So, yeah, it's it, uncomfortable for us to hear about it today, but that's the way our ancestors worked. Another thing, there's these rites of passages to become an adult. The, these are in lots of different sort of tribal communities and in the video game. My favorite one is there's one African tribe where to become a man, basically the foreskin is considered unclean. So you are given a simple tool and you're sent out into the bush. And until you circumcise yourself, you're not allowed to come back into the tribe. Some men go for a day or two. Some men take some years to build up the courage. And remember, no antibiotics. No, you know, you, you're not a surgeon. You don't necessarily know what you're doing. It is going to hurt. So, you know, something like that. You can understand why it's it's a sort of tribal thing. Quite a number of tribes is about hunting down an, an apex predator of some description. But I find this fascinating. But there is lots of evidence of the importance of women. Now, I'm not going to go into this too hard because I think it's been over accentuated and people now turn it into the narrative of, uh, you know, the church has destroyed, you know, female priesthoods. There's evidence of them. And there are all these amazing fertility symbols from like, 20, 30,000 years ago, these carved sculptures, very heavily breasted, large women with their genitalia on full display. The vulva is sort of exposed. And this is clearly sort of like, you know, this is meant to be, and they've got us like a large belly, presumably through pregnancy. So maybe this is the sort of thing a woman would have to help her conceive. Or maybe this was, you know, nobody wrote anything down. So maybe this was something that they literally prayed to. It's like the the, there is this sort of like more modern term of Gaia, the sort of like the mother goddess that looks after the earth, the balance and energy of the earth. And, you know, they wouldn't have called it Gaia, but that sort of like, you know, the mother gives birth to everything, to life, the life god, as it were. Quite possible. Can't say it definitively. But you get hints of all this stuff going on in a video game where you can also fight robot T-Rexes. Last thing I'll say on the robot T-Rexes, PS5 has an opening video game that you can play, like the Playroom, just sort of showing you how to use different consoles, how cool the PS5 is. The last level 
is you've been playing this beautifully graphics game, and then suddenly, right at the end, you get that T-Rex from PlayStation 1 time coming out and chomping down, you've got to jump out the way. And it's a really hard end-of-level boss battle, and I think it's wonderful respect that PlayStation is giving to its history, basically. So there we go. Really hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you thought. I'm at Jem Daduchu on Twitter. And as always, there'll be another episode coming soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.